Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! gentlemen welcome to snow the goalie the only flyers podcast the people's podcast the players podcast prognosticators podcast feel podcast the tim hortons podcast if you're watching on youtube you know what that means if you're listening on the podcast feed go check out the youtube video uh for an exclusive uh walk through a magic moment with bundy not magic mike magic bundy uh at tim hortons uh, this is the only flyers podcast of course we know this and and as we mentioned last week one of the 42 now 45, but originally 15. I want to point out the fact, Bundy. We were apparently one of the original 15 we were. Philly yeah. podcasts to listen to. And I know that because we shared it over on Instagram. The Philly Inquirer tagged us in that post. So we were one of the first 15. So let the record show. Snow the goalie. Not one of the 45 must listen to Philly podcasts. One of the 15. The rest were all uh, add-ons after the fact. But we were one of the first 15. The only, I believe, Flyers podcast, of course, on that first list of 15. So, um, Bundy, I, you know, I'm going to let you take a bite or take a sip of what you just got at Tim Hortons. I'm going to introduce a guy who wasn't with us on the last episode. That, of course, is a man who I, I'm pretty sure forgot we were recording this morning after he dictated the time and everything. So here we are. <laughs> Anthony Sanfilippo, find him on Twitter, at Philly. How are you doing, beautiful? I'm um, doing fantastic, guys. And, yes, I did forget we were recording at 830. I, I, was, I told Russ, uh, Bundy, I was sitting here. Um, and I had my phone on silent because I was just doing a little bit of work. And I said, oh, let me look at my let me look at my phone. I had like seven texts. I'm like, oh man, let me catch up on these. And I saw I had two missed calls from Russ. And I, was, and I looked at the clock and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I told him, I told you guys, I only could do it at eight thirty in the morning, and therefore, it, and I look and I'm like, oh, I missed it by fifteen minutes. Oh well, I'm gonna be a little bit late. So. But it was good. It's good to be. It's good to be back. Been doing uh, a lot of other things. Um, uh, been doing for the site. Been doing a little baseball uh, for our playoff bound Phillies. Mm-hmm. Where they lost last night. Um, and uh, you know, doing uh, some other uh, freelance work outside of um, my regular job. So I've just been a, been a little busy, and I have a, a show opening tonight, which is great. Um, so all kinds of all kinds of things going on. Go ahead, tell everybody the info about the show you while we're at it. Go, go, why not? Go, go it's not. I'm not looking go for ahead. a free plug. I'm not looking for a free plug. Yeah, you Although are. If go you ahead. do want to, if you do want to hear Russ Russ Joy make his uh, theatrical debut, right? I mean, I would say this is a as an adult, this is a theatrical debut. As an for adult, you, as an yes. adult. Yeah. Okay, all right. So as a theatrical debut, Russ does a voiceover for us in this production uh, of Something okay. Rotten at the Players Club of Swarthmore, opening tonight, running through October the first. Tickets at PCSTheater.org. We are uh, tickets are selling great. Um, our pre-sales huge uh, for for a show. Uh, so I have a feeling we're going to have a number of sellouts uh, in the ten performances. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So there you go. There's All my right. little. There's he my said little he doesn't want a shameless plug, and here we are. So now we got a shameless plug in, and I hope the show goes really well. I'll try to get there. I've been incredibly busy with the uh, start of the NFL season. Legal online sports betting uh, now available in Kansas. You can check that out anywhere uh, that there's content. You might have noticed if you were reading Philly Voice yesterday, a familiar name popped up, and that'd be mine, of course, writing something about. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbooks uh, Week Two promo. So there you go. Anyway, let's get over to our to our friend, the man who I believe now has probably reached his peak uh, in terms of at least putting some food in his face, and that of course is Bundy. 
Follow him on Twitter at Cetarian6. How are you doing, fella? I wanted to take a bite for making fun of Anthony last week eating on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Because Anthony does eat. I get it. You're on the go. You come home. You're hungry. You got a podcast. And you got you to gotta feed it. So, you know what? I took a bite in honor of you today, Anthony, with that maple donut. It was delicious. I'm um, jealous. Yeah. Uh, if I could bring him home fresh, I'd do that for you. But, uh, yeah, good to be here, guys. Uh, um, crazy. I mean, amazing. It just feels like yesterday the Stanley Cup finals ended. Like it does with the Tampa and Colorado. And here we are again with another training camp abound and ready to go. Amazing. I honestly, when you think about, I honestly couldn't, I couldn't disagree with you more. Uh, I I feel like I don't even, I don't even remember what hockey's like at this point. It's been that like, I think it's just because of the sheer amount of hours that I've been working uh, these past few weeks. I have no concept of anything of any time. I didn't realize the flyers were starting rookie camp. I had no idea. I have to tell you, though, I'm very excited. I'm I'm not necessarily excited for what the results could be for this team, but I am excited to see what is going to happen because I know if there is one thing that we can guarantee, it's that with John Tortorella at the helm, uh, there are going to be sound bites. There is going to be controversy, and ultimately we will have plenty to talk about on this show this year. Um, I, I, I did field some questions over on, um, Twitter and on Instagram for today's episode, which we'll get to in a little bit. I want to get this one thing out of the way first, before we start talking about the team, because it got backlash. Uh, I want to touch on this quick, but I do not want to make this a full thing so that if people don't want to listen to this part, they can skip a little bit and whatever, and we can get into talking about the team. One notable bit of news that came out, I believe yesterday, Anthony wrote it over on the site is that um, there had been questions about Dave Scott's uh, remaining time, we'll say, uh, in his position with Comcast Spectacor and obviously then with the uh, the Flyers. And his right-hand woman uh, at, at this point, Val Camillo, had gotten a promotion. And, uh, you know, what that job is going to entail seems to still be uh, a little bit hit or miss. Uh, it depends on who you talk to, what the role actually is. But she uh, had been the president of business operations. She now has a new title, uh, president and CEO of Comcast Spectacor Sports Entertainment. I didn't realize that Roman Reigns is going to be showing up at center ice with uh, the Universal Championship. But if we're here for sports entertainment... The only way the Flyers are going to make the Stanley Cup final is if it's predetermined and scripted. So I love this move for the Flyers. I love this move for the fans. Um, in all seriousness, I don't know how much this matters. Um, and you're the one who wrote it up. So give people, I guess, a little bit of background on this. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, you know, like what the expectation is, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're going to have a, I think it's going to be interesting to really kind of discuss it here for a couple minutes because, um, and I know what Bundy's going to tell us. And I, and I think that, I think that he's, kind of onto something but i'm also not sure where where it goes from here either moving forward and i'll say it in this way so when you really look at it i I don't necessarily think her role changes much from where it was before i don't think it really changes much i think there are titles that are given to her that she didn't have. So CEO, that's a, that when you see the name, when you see the, the words, the, the letter CEO, and you become that title, it really means that there is no one above you other than ownership, right? I mean, so that's she's in charge. So she is the boss of this segment of the company, 
which they've now created Comcast Sports and Entertainment. Under Comcast mm-hmm. Sports and Entertainment um, is the Wells Fargo Center. So, so she's absolutely in charge of the center, everything that goes on in the center in a lot of ways. And, and I know Bunny's going to mention this name in a minute, John Page. If you remember when he was uh, uh, there under Ed Snyder, that was kind of his title. Okay, so, so that's definitely her role. And she's in charge of the business operations of uh, the Flyers, the Wings, and the Maine Mariners. And then any other um, special events or that would take place uh, within that group, whether it would be, I don't know, a, a draft coming here or, you know, an all-star game or something along those lines, right? College uh, final four, uh, not the college basketball tournament or, you know, the hockey final four, something along those lines would all fall under her purview from a business perspective, not involved in in any way, shape or form in the day-to-day operation uh, on of the uh, hockey operations side of any of those of of either the Flyers or the um, Mariners um, or the uh, lacrosse operations side of the wings. Okay, that's a separate entity. Now, what does that mean? Um, there are people who believe that this is Dave Scott's last year. Um, I had someone say to me, you know, he retired once already. Uh, so it's, and everyone's time comes to an end. Um, and so there's a belief that this could lead to her replacing him eventually, um, as the Flyers chairman, uh, or governor, whatever title he wants to go by. I think he's going by governor now. I think that's the one that, that he's using. Um, and if that were the case, she would be the first female governor, um, in the NHL. Uh, in, in the history of the, of the league. And so, because she's an alternate governor, now she'd be the first um, uh, full-time governor. Um, so there's a, there's a belief that that would be, this is part of the succession plan um, that they're kind of putting in place uh, that's there. But then there's, a, then there's the argument, and this is where I'll, I'll throw it to Bundy, then there's the argument that, you know, how can you justify promotions? Now, I think she's probably getting paid more money um, because she's got these new titles, you don't you don't get the title of CEO and not get a got not get a raise. I mean, so if we were going to sit here and say, contract wise, it's certainly a promotion, um, but that doesn't mean that you know just because somebody's paying you more money doesn't necessarily mean that you have more responsibility. Um, so uh, you, this is where I'll throw it to Bundy. You, you can look at it and say, how can you promote anyone in this organization coming off of the year that the organization just had, both on and off the ice? Yeah. Uh, and the only and the only argument and the, and the only argument you can make for Val that's separate from from Dave um, is that she there seemed to be a point and I feel like we were the driver of it in a lot of ways when you know we were criticizing a lot of the things that they were doing wrong. Um, there was a point it, it was late in the, later in the season, probably you know after January, February, where she seemed to start to pivot a little bit um, in 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 her public. Uh, the optics of of what she was doing, she became a little bit more public figure. She was she used to be somebody who would lock herself away and and nobody heard from her or saw her or talked to her. Um, uh, she started to kind of get involved with Snyder Hockey again after they had a, a real cold relationship for a long time. You know, showed you know she you know presented them with a big check and you know showed up at some of their events and um, you know doing doing things like that. And and I I, I think that you know like I, I wrote in the story she did the. Um, 
history with Flyers 101, history stuff with all the people who are not from the Philadelphia area, trying to teach them. So like, I think that she's, if you want to say that she's trying to pivot that and, and trying to turn that into something, but that could just, again, be an optical thing, right? I mean, that could just be something that she's trying to do to make herself look like, hey, I'm, I'm on board now. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the job is being done better, right? So, so I, I think that there's a, a combination there, and I think this is where I'll throw it to Bundy because he's heard from a couple of people as well that it might be something a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, guys, I'm not just I'm not going to sit and fluff it. I mean, this since Valerie Camillo has taken over this team, rather since Dave Scott was take, uh, asked by Ed Snyder to replace Peter Luco, this has been a sinking ship every single season since. They have destroyed the fabric of this team uh, when they started with the Kate Smith statue uh, and then later found out the actual integrity she had. So they did no research. Uh, they're corporate hacks. My 19-year-old daughter, Alexa, could come and run the Flyers and be CEO of that team because she knows the history of the Philadelphia Flyers and the city and the passion of the team. That's my 19-year-old. I haven't even gotten into my older daughters yet. How many season ticket holders have left? How many people has she canned? How many people have been bought out and paid? Um, which I know there's tons of. That's the one you have to question is why are so many people being asked to leave the organization and then being paid to go away? Uh, that comes on her watch. So um, I don't know where she's getting her orders or her direction. What After reviewing and talking to some people who, by the way, still call me and, yeah, maybe they do still work in the building. Um, and, and, I, and, and tell me some stuff that maybe is a little bit different than what people are reading or assuming. And from what people said, yes, this is a financial promotion, but it's actually a demotion. The Flyers people do not want her around. They don't want her in their faces making decisions. Now, I think that that in turn has actually fractured the relationship with her and the hockey side. Uh, I know she has an affinity from what I hear for Danny Briere, which, well, if she does make that rain, that means Chuck will be probably on his way out the door. Uh, but there's still hockey people in there uh, that are saying, to others uh this was a demotion because i think that i don't know this i suspect that what was left of hockey uh, of the hockey people from the flyers said this just can't happen anymore uh we're playing in front of six seven thousand people a night by the way remember the joke i made russ when i was on that day i said watch they're gonna ask the alumni to help sell tickets she asked the alumni to help sell tickets she literally tasked this year's alumni with helping her sell tickets and by the way the first two guys I called and said, what do you think of this? They said, I'm not helping her sell tickets. It's not my job. It's a marketing team's job. Where's the marketing team? You know the problem, guys? Well, the, the problem is, is that they can't get people to sell tickets. Imagine trying to get to hire someone to be a ticket rep for that team. So I actually texted Brad Marsh back. I made him a professional offer. I said, if you're looking to have people sell tickets, let me know. I'll help you sell tickets. And then, by the way, the recovery night thing. Never heard a word back from him, Russ. You know how incompetent these people are? Let me just tell you. I actually had people on Twitter say, hey, if Bundy, if there's an, a, a recovery night, I'll buy tickets for people that want to go to the game. Never heard a word. That is neglecting somebody's actual financial offer to the team to go out and try to get tickets for somebody on recovery night that couldn't afford them. And I'll finish with this. I think it's a demotion. I actually think people think that the Flyers side, that it's actually a demotion. She's now controlling the event. So when a concert comes into town, she'll be the one that, that, that will be responsible for bringing in the entertainment into the building, running those teams. How much say she has with the Flyers, I don't know. But I had a couple people speculate yesterday, this is not a promotion. It cannot be a promotion by the job she's done. But from the visuals of getting rid of her, 
they decided to create this position instead. And Anthony, I don't know what'll happen with the governorship of the Flyers, but I'll tell you what, I feel so bad for Flyers fans that this is uh, that, that she's at the helm of this. So uh, th- this is what I, the only way I'm going to react respond to that, and and because I know we don't want to really you know hang on this for far too long, we want to actually get into the questions that we got from the fans and stuff. Um, is there was one thing that I, I take back? I got to take you guys back to. Jeez, uh, I want to say it was it, it was towards the end of the season when they had a, a general manager's meeting. I don't remember if it was in season or just after the season. I forget when it was, I, but it was towards the end of the season. And I can remember there were stories that were coming out about Chuck telling people up there that there was a chance he wouldn't be back. And it had nothing to do with the fact that the team was bad or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, he he kind of felt that he said, no, no, it was a, it had to do more with who was going to be in charge. And so the only thing I can think of there, Bunny, and, you know, you mentioned how much she likes Danny. Um, and, and I've heard the same thing, too. I've heard that she likes she likes Danny as well. Um, but at the same time, like if Chuck's th- thought was they're going to get rid of Dave Scott. Well, then he's going to go. Oh yeah. Um. And 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 so that so the only thing I'm trying to I'm trying to put two and two together here and say, I I think that there's a a, a relationship that's not good between the, the the hockey ops. I agree with you between hockey ops and Val. Um. But I think that if she's in charge, she goes in there and cleans house. I think she. I think if she comes in, not not to say that she's going to bring the right people in, but I think that she's going to come in. You should, the first thing that she would do is try and assert that authority. In a lot of ways, when she first got here, I mean, if you remember when she first got here and first took over Sean's position, um, you know, obviously the first six months were kind of quiet, but then once she kind of got into that role and Sean was out of the picture, Sean Tilger we're talking about, um, how many people got just got axed? And it was because it was, a, it was a change of the business. It was like, we're not, we're not doing things the way you used to do it. We're going to do things my way. I thought it was interesting that, you know, um, after this all comes out, there was a there is a um, Brian Roberts had an availability for uh, to talk about the history you know, what's going on at Comcast. Um, and there was a Q&A uh, with him and it was done. And I, geez, I wish I can find where, where it was, um, but it was it was done at uh, here it is. Da, 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 da. Seeking this is, like, this is a transcript from Seeking Alpha, um, Goldman Sachs Communicopia Technology Conference. Okay, 2022. Uh, this was this was yesterday, and um, and th- he was interviewed about every aspect of the of Comcast from the from Tata, like all these different departments and levels and what they're doing and how much kind of money they're making. And at no point, at no point at all, was the Philadelphia Flyers or Comcast Spectacor or, or that subsidiary, that, that portion of the company even broached, not by the questioner, not brought up by Brian Roberts, nothing. And to me, that's an, that's evidence that they don't care at that level. They don't care. Comcast cares as a lie. What? So so that's my, that my, so my takeaway out of all that is, is that, they're they're whoever is kind of in charge of that they're kind of just letting them do what they want to do and and at the corporate level they don't really care because you would think if you were if you were brian robertson if you were comcast that the way last season went as poorly as it went last season 
that something would have happened. And yet, the same people who are in charge last season are in yeah. charge again, are in charge again this season. So I mean, so, I, that to me, so this, here's, is, this is less about Val, bingo, and less about Anthony, Dave Scott. The same and people about, that ran the team into the ground are still running the team into the ground. This is less well, about and, this is but, less about those people than it is that the the ownership group of this team doesn't care that it owns the team. That to me is a far bigger problem than the individual people involved. Individual people are just individual people. They can come and go over time. You can go through periods of time where, okay, you had a bad coach, you had a bad GM, you had a bad yes. CEO. Like, and, But they're like these people are not going to be here forever, okay? And any none of them. No, none of these people are going to be in their roles forever. But Comcast owns the team. The owner is the only one thing that lasts until they decide to sell. And, and so, therefore, it's like, what the hell are they doing? So that, to me... And- is the bigger is the biggest issue here. Last thing, remember I said last year, I'll finish with this. Remember what I said, Russ, last year? You can be a bad team. It happens. Mm-hmm. But you cannot turn into a shitty organization in the process. You can't I've never seen a more infuriated fan base at the end of the day than this fan. Yeah, base. I mean, I well, I think I think apathy is definitely set in. But here here's where I'm at, guys. I don't care about Dave Scott. I don't care about about Val Camillo. I don't care about Brian Roberts. I care about the hockey team doing well. Yeah. And for better or worse, yeah. this, this, you know, that trio, whoever is in charge decided to keep the hockey upside together. And, and to me here, here's the, here's the truth. Nobody would give a shit about Dave Scott or Val Camillo. If the people running hockey ops did their job well, and they haven't done their job well in quite some time, because if the team is good, if you put a contender on the ice or a team that people can actually get behind and believe in, then a lot of the warts that showed up over the last few years on the business side don't come to the light because we would be talking about the hockey team. But because the hockey team was so bad, it starts to you know reveal cracks in the foundation. And I guess my problem here is I say, all right, well, Dave Scott's still in charge. Dave Scott's the one who ultimately decided to keep Chuck Fletcher here, which was a disaster, and we had a disastrous offseason. Um, which has now not only set this team up for what would be a mediocre at best season if everybody's healthy, um, to being like a quasi-bubble team or like some team that's like not within the top three for the lottery, which uh, is not great. And he also signed guys to terrible contracts that are going to have ramifications after Chuck Fletcher is inevitably fired either during the season or after the season. So like, let's play, let's play this hypothetical out. The Flyers suck. Okay, which I think many people will expect them to suck. Um, whether it's immediate or not, it doesn't matter. I don't see, I mean, if this team makes the playoffs, good for them, right? But what's likely going to happen is this team is going to end up not in the very bottom where they need to be for Bedard. Uh, they're not going to end up in a contending spot. They'll probably be, I don't know, three spots out of the postseason. So they're going to get like a middling pick. And they've got guys like Nick Delorier signed to, 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 multi, to multi-year deals. And I just sit back and I say, it's a shame because I think if you had done anything on the hockey upside going into this season or going into the offseason, there might have been hope. You could have at least had some semblance of a plan going forward. And the problem is the hockey upside has no idea what the plan is. They're flying by the seat of their pants. They've now hampered this team with even more ridiculous contracts that have multi-years on them. So even if... Val Camillo takes over next year 
and she puts Danny Briere in charge of hockey ops. Well, now Danny Briere's got to clean up the mess that Chuck Fletcher made. And I just, I don't see making that move and then saying to Danny Briere, you know what, dude, like, go ahead and tear the whole thing down. You're already a year late. Bedard's the best prospect to come out in, I don't know, what, since McDavid? So, yeah. like, I don't know. Again, I come back to, like, what are we doing here? Like, there was such a fundamentally simple plan to get this thing back on track. And whether it's negligence from Brian Roberts or it's negligence from Dave Scott or it's negligence from Velcro, I got to fucking care. I don't care who's responsible for it. What I care is you didn't address the hockey ops side of things. And now this team is just kind of like going to squander around and they're going to they're gonna be like this purgatory mode. John Tortorella could light a fire under these guys. He could lead this team to like a 7-2-1 start. I don't think it'll happen. We went over the record a few episodes ago. But like... Ultimately, it doesn't matter because this is a race to the middle. It's a race to mediocrity. Whether you get there to start the season or you start off poorly and you end the season strong because you've now learned the coach's system and all your guys that were out are healthy, it doesn't matter. It, you, you didn't make the team good enough to contend or to even be like a solid playoff team, and you didn't make this team bad enough, at least for one year, to go after the best prospect in years. So I think I probably speak for a decent number of Flyers fans, and I say there is nothing to inspire confidence. I don't care who's responsible for it. I just want it fixed. And Dave Scott ain't fixing it. Now, I'm not saying Val Camille is fixing it, but I sure should hope that at some point somebody takes over and somebody cares enough to fix hockey ops. So I want to get to some questions here from fans because, believe it or not, there are still fans of this team and so I want to go through these, uh, you know, as, as quickly as possible because um, I, I have a hard out. But what we, we have here is uh, you have a, you have a what? hard out. I have oh. to leave. Anthony, you are. That's right. Aunt, that's you're, you're, where are you going? Where, where did this Aunt, come you're from? Disgusting. Jesus, Aunt, you're Russ, disgusting. Jesus, Russ. I was like, I was like, you have to edit that, man. You're disgusting. I said Jesus. a hard out. Jesus, I have to Russ. be out. I have a meeting at 10 o'clock. I got to get out of okay, here. Okay, let's go. Right I anyway. do too. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So, um, Chris Peters on Twitter says, if you're looking for a positive to talk about, the Snyder hockey rink being built in Kensington with Couturier being there for groundbreaking was something nice. I'd agree with that. I think we, we talked about this before. It's a great initiative. I think if, if there's something that uh, one of the many th points that we have brought up on the show over the past year that all of a sudden magically has, has just happened with the Philadelphia Flyers – is that need to reach back out and to work with the Snyder family or with Snyder Youth Hockey. And, and I think that this rink being built in Kensington is a great thing. Couturier being there is interesting. And what it sounds like is Couturier, on a health uh, note, seems to be doing well and could be ready maybe even earlier than expected. So that's a positive. I like, I like a positive. Let's go to the next one, though, because it's uh, at 1965 CJW who says, your best-case scenario for the team. They want to know your best-case scenario. Considering Coots and Hayes are back, Torts will kick ass and take names, so the team should play harder for each other and for Hart, and some of the young guys like Allison and Lachinsky uh, should make the team and improve the team depth. 80 points? 85? I'm just going to back out here and listen to you guys. 80 or 85 points? Let's start there. A best-case scenario for me is that they somehow make the playoffs. I don't think they are, but that would be the absolute best case, like sneaking in as the eighth seed. It would also probably be one of the worst. Like what you said earlier, Russ, about finishing like, uh, like if you finish 17, 18, or 19 in a league and that's where you're drafting, that's where you look at your management at the end of the year and you're infuriated at them. Yep. 
because you made it just good. Like, torts will make them just good enough to maybe win a couple of games that they shouldn't be winning. I say a couple, probably five or six, actually, which could account for 12 or 14 points. It's a lot. Yeah. So yeah. those are the things that you had to account in all of it. But uh, best case scenario would be them sneaking in for me. But I just don't I don't think that they have the horses. I, I mean, let's say Kevin Hayes and Sean Couturier. I mean, those guys could be super healthy all year, and it's still not a guarantee they're going to make the playoffs, even with those two players. So, you know, yeah. Kevin Hayes has got to have a real good bounce back year. I know coming off injury too, but, you know, he's in that kind of that middle area of that long contract. And for me, he's a guy, you know, like you're making that money and, and this team is in turmoil in terms of what they think they have. Um, yeah, he's got to really have a big year. Katuri, we know what we're getting from. Like, I think we're going to come back, but he's going to have that back thing to deal with as well. So, that's my best case, so Anthony and, and Russ uh, and, uh, sneaking in, which yeah, I don't want to see. If it's going to be yeah, that rather than not. And I'm glad you said yeah. it that way, Bunny, because I thought I I do think the best case scenario is that they sneak in. And I when I say that, I I do think that there is a while I don't think they will, but I do think that there is a possibility. Um, I do think that you can you can get uh, this team buying into Torts early, and then you start to get some players back who are injured. Um, and, and all of a sudden now they're a little bit better team than maybe you thought they were going to be. Um, and then they can, yeah, maybe they get into the back end and, and they make the playoffs and like, holy, holy hell, how did this happen? How did you go from being the worst team in the league in such an embarrassment to suddenly sneaking into the playoffs? And I would say that that would probably be the worst thing because it, the worst it's, it's the worst case scenario because what then ends up happening is, is you are that, uh, this is the rust thing. You, you are that mediocre team again. And not only are you that mediocre team again, but you're that mediocre team being run by people who are not very good at their jobs, who then probably get to keep their job, right? Chuck probably Bingo! gets to, Chuck there probably gets is. to stay. There it is. Right. There it is. So that's that's these that's, people are in self fucking preservation mode. That's all this is. That's all it ever is. They don't yes. care about winning. It's always about keeping your job. And this is the shame of the thing, because if if this organization had the balls, had the ovaries, had the had the intestinal fortitude to do anything, you would have fired Chuck Fletcher and that brain trust into the sun. You would have installed anyone else with a pulse who has any idea what they're doing. You would have put them into a position of power. You would have said, you know what, dude, F it. We're out for a year. Tank for Bedard. Get us to the bottom. Let's develop young players. Go hire a coach who isn't going to find fringe wins. Do the right thing. You have a year to just blow this thing up, and then let's talk in a year or two. But instead, what you've done by negligence, which is where I come back to the Brian Roberts and the Dave Scott and the Valcomo, when you have this kind of just institutional negligence, you keep a lame duck GM who nobody wanted to play ball with this offseason in power. You think that after all this time of Chuck Fletcher and his daddy being the one to get him into the game and him getting to stay in power with this team and getting jobs after mediocre season after mediocre season, you would think that he would have enough gravitas in this league. He'd have enough guys that would go back to him and help him out, help a fellow GM out. Help a fellow guy from the old the old hockey circles out with bad contracts, with helping him clear out some space, with taking on you know some contracts that are iffy. Did anybody play ball with Chuck Fletcher? No. You know what they did, guys? 
other GMs laughed because they knew that they had Chuck Fletcher in this organization by the balls. The reason that you didn't see a JVR trade executed that would have either led to a potential getting in on the action with a free agent or at least getting this team closer to that bottom that you need to be in. The reason that nobody played ball is because Chuck Fletcher in his little delusional headspace thought, you know what? Somebody's going to bail me out. I'm going to wait until the very last minute. I'm going to wait until free agency starts. I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. Somebody's going to help. Somebody's going to help. No lifeboat came. No lifesaver came. Chuck Fletcher drowned. And for some fucking reason, this organization decided to perform CPR. He needed to get jettisoned. So, okay, I'm, I'm done. We haven't even gotten to the Russian goal yet. Who handles the cap over there and does the numbers? Like, nice job, guys. You ended up with a guy living in the tip of Siberia for a month because you signed him. And you couldn't even get him over here. Honest to God, some of the incompetence runs up top You actually too. jeopardized his health. There were those reports, and nobody knows. We're not going to speculate here and say that he was poisoned, right? There were the things about, like, he was sick. He wasn't able to talk to family. It depends on what reports you believe. You legitimately jeopardized this guy, whether it's his health or him now serving in the military, because you brought him over and then let him go back. What yeah, that, that was the part for why, me. That, why would you sign yeah. the guy to a contract and then let him go back? Especially th- that, given the fact that there were clear signs that something could go awry in Eastern Europe and in Russia. What the? F- go ahead, Bonnie. No, I was just saying, like, I mean, that one was a cap guy's job, I think, because you're getting a guy and you're trying to get him signed and get him over here. And I was a mess, man. Like nobody said there's there's people around the league that were openly like other guys laughing at the Flyers for that move. Uh, and other GMs were talking to the Russian players like, just be careful. If you're over there, you got to get back and get back soon. You know, I know it was a case with in Minnesota, the same thing. They're talking about it. But yeah, that was complete malfeasance in the handling of that young guy. And now he probably will never play in the NHL. That would just be my guess. He's going to run out of years probably or, or age, you know. So uh, we haven't yeah. even gotten into that, but. Um, next question, Russ. <laughs> All right, next question. Seabass says, who wears the C? Also, over or under 40 wins? Under. Um, who uh, wears think- the C? John Tortorella was interviewed on NHL, Sirius NHL Radio, I believe, uh, last week, and said he's in no hurry to uh, name a captain, and that, oh, we forgot this, guys, that he uh, is very upset with and has noticed significant issues that need to get addressed over the summer since he's gotten here with the locker room. Okay. Who wears the C? Does anybody wear Sean the C? Coutur- Sean Couturier, for me, wears the C. Why Torts? Okay. See, what? remember we talked about it, Anthony? I'll let you pick up. Remember, Russ, what did we talk about a month ago? What did I say Torts has to be careful of? The one thing he can't do, in my estimation, was go on a turd flushing mission. Yep. He's already, he's not just going on a turd flush admission. He's going for the biggest bunts in the pot. So when you see, it's not necessarily what you say sometimes it's what you don't say. So when they ask him who the captain's going to be, he's like, nobody. I'm probably not going to name one. You're now taking a shot at Sean Couturier. Uh, Provorov's not in that mix anymore, but whoever else is like a captain hey, type of probably, guy. It's, it's a shot at Hayes. It's a shot even at Atkinson, who he's coached previously. It's a shot at, at Lawton, Couturier, who some any people veteran, thought, like, I don't, I don't, you know, there's not a def- even a yeah. Justin Braun, so he brought it's back. what he didn't say that would. Yeah, he's not a captain guy. Like, not. I'm a just saying. You traded him at the deadline. I'm just saying. It's I know he's a veteran guy. Go ahead. But for, for coaches say that, you know, it's it. That's a tough thing to hear. You know, and you're gonna a player's gonna go home like Katori. Like, man, that's 
fuck, I thought I would have shot at it. Like, I would have thought I'd been here long enough. I'm a good guy, you know, good leader. And, and Torch is like, no, you're not. Like, I'm going to find out more about you. That's what I think what he was saying. I don't think he was saying no. I think he's like, I'm going to find out more. But he came in right away and he said, like, he went on uh, that show with Elliot Friedman and said, we got major problems in our locker room. Major problems. So I don't know what major problems are. Like, so there's different views. So I'll give you an example. Like when you go on and you see a guy showing up like just on time, that's not going to float. If you have a guy who I'm just trying to think of things that'll really make torts nuts. If you take pictures with your girlfriend with a dog on the ice, you're that ain't going to fly with torts. Like that wouldn't fly with most guys, but it sure ain't going to fly with John Tortorella. So if your social media takes a precedence over what your team is doing, you're you're going to be you may wind up out of the league if you're not a, a stable enough. If you keep doing some of, of the things and that that we had heard about during uh, the pandemic season about you know having little parties and the kind of things that you know those kind of things when they get back to the coach those also aren't going to go over well. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things that are, a lot of things. But Anthony, what do you what do you think? I want to get your take on it because you know my last year and it was it was bad because I had other you know issues with my alcohol. But you know I got brought back my last year and it was in the papers. Clark said my players had asked to have me come back because I was. A, good locker room presence that to me is one of the best things that ever happened in my career because it validated my teammates say hey this is a good guy in the room keeps things light you know you need that and i think a guy like d'angelo will do that but you can't clash with the coach in in the process of doing that so i think what torts is probably trying to do right now guys is find the three guys in that room that he would trust the most and then start his leadership group from that that core but I, I agree. I would be very, very surprised unless somebody like a Sean Couturier had an amazing camp uh, and he was given to see Kevin Hayes. I would be absolutely stunned if they gave him the captaincy. I would be I would be shocked, shocked. And to be honest with you, he had Cam Atkinson. Right. And there seems to be this little kind of love affair between the two. When you talk about, you know, accident, how good he yeah. works hard. By the way, he was never considered for captain either. He was thrown in that non mix of, of non names either right of saying well yeah. no one's going to be a captain so that's a guy he yeah. coached and actually had 40 goals for torts in columbus and by all accounts he's he's probably certainly part of the leadership group but by torts's standards not a captain and what do you think yeah i don't think he's going to name one i really don't I, I think you're i think you're at least going through the first half of the year probably with three a's or maybe even a rotation wow. of four like two guys for at home two guys on the road kind of thing um i think that's kind of what you're looking at um so I think that's that's how he's going to handle it. Uh, and I think Bundy's right. I mean, look, Bundy has a better feel for how guys take things like that in the locker room. Like, to me, it's not – to me, I don't know. I, I, I don't think of it I – don't, I don't put too much stock in that stuff. Like, if I was on the team and, you know, I felt like I was a leader type in the room and the coach decided, well, I'm not going to give the captaincy out, I'm not sitting there questioning myself. I'm like, okay, this is what the coach is doing. This is part of the coach's tactic. This is how he wants to approach approach the team. Like, I look at it from his perspective. Like, I don't take it as a personal knock that I wasn't selected right off the bat as a as a captain. But maybe there are guys that, that are that, you know, a little bit more fragile in that way. And maybe they would take it. Bunny, when, when, the thing that I'm more interested in is him saying that there, there's problems in the locker room. And I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is. I mean, I, you know, I'm having, you know, some some people are a little quiet about this one. I mean, I know that there was before there was a, you know, the veteran guys can get away with certain things that the younger guys couldn't get away with. Um, and not just, you know, 
on the ice. It more it was more like their day to day, how they you know the times like you said the times you show up, the times you leave, you know what you know how hard you practice and things. If you actually get yourself to the rink or not, yeah, that's right. Also I mean, there are things sure. like that. Yeah, and so I mean, those things that that they're, they they splintered the room. But I'm trying to figure out. I mean, Torts. I don't think Torts is exaggerating this. I don't think he's coming out and saying this and 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 you know trying to sugarcoat it a little bit or, or trying to make it seem like worse than it is. What could they potentially win? What kind of, I mean, you've experienced shit in a locker room. What what could they be going through right now that, I mean, you know, and, and look, let me just lead you into this with this. We all have jobs. We all work with people that maybe we don't particularly get along with, but we still have to work together, right? And I'm sure that yeah. uh, – a locker room is no different. A clubhouse in baseball, you know, in any sport really is no different. There's going to be guys that you just don't, you know, you don't click with, but you still have to work with. You still have to, you know, play with. So, I mean, those things always happen. But what could potentially be there that is so bad that he recognizes it in the summer before they've even yeah. taken the ice well, and has to fix Yeah, it? so losing breeds a lot of con- contempt amongst teammates, right? And it causes fractions and divisions within your team. So, you know, I, I want these guys to have a fresh start, but I, I'll be honest with you, Anthony and Russ, I've heard things from guys. You know, I've talked to players, and and there's, you know, you'll hear certain guys saying, yeah, nobody likes that guy. But what happens is sometimes when there's so much losing that's gone on, and you go around and around and around it again, and I think that what happens is you kind of filter out what you think has worked for you and what doesn't, and that, that puts a real fracture between it. So there's no unity like a core between 20 guys where they all are trying to beat to the beat in the same drum and move it in the same direction. There's guys clearly in that room that have opinions about other guys. There's not been a lot of turnover. There's been guys that have been added, and one of them a very controversial guy, an outspoken guy, D'Angelo, that will be sure, sure, sure to shake things up through the year which is not always a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing. But there's absolutely personalities in that room that will go home and say, you know what, I hate that fucking guy and I wish I never played with him. That is happening in that room in Tortorella, I guarantee you knows that. Now the players may say, oh, Terrian's full of shit. That's not true. Okay. All right. Well, I played 12 years in the league too in that locker room in this town. So I have a pretty good feeling about what's going on. And and I've heard enough things. And you know, you know, uh, there are two guys in that locker room who will probably never, ever again see eye to eye, mm-hmm. based on uh, something I, that I that know. Was, I know at least three so, different two pairs of guys that just do not get along and probably will never. Now I'm not going to say that because that would be an awful thing to do, but I know it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We're yeah, around so, the room uh, and the, people the, will say things. There's guys I play yeah, with, not so, a lot of them, that we didn't like or we didn't disagree with. I had a producer when I worked for NBC Sports. I couldn't stand looking at the guy most nights, but when I went to work, I tried my best to do the job that I was supposed to do. Nothing to do personal with anything. That's the job. But unfortunately, personalities and big personalities come in and egos, and then that sometimes can really drive a a wedge between what you're trying to do and who you are as a person and who you really are as a teammate as well, which is two totally different things. Now, the one thing, and I hate to do this, but this is kind of the the problem with – uh, you know, as we're getting ourselves, all three of our schedules synced up, we've got to call an end to the episode, but there were more questions that came in on Instagram and on Twitter. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put these off to the side. So if you asked a question, it wasn't right on the show today. We'll do another mailbag next week. We'll bring as many of these back to the table as we can. Some of them were redundant. Like some of them really were like point projections. Um, how did Chuck Fletcher keep his job? Like, I think a lot of these points that were asked, we kind of touched on, but I'm going to go back through these, parse them and, and, and add them for next week. 
one thing that I can tell you is if you're listening to the show for the first time, is that, you know, as camp starts up, our coverage of the team is going to kind of, I think, go back to being more of what we're seeing on the ice. It's just that through an offseason that's been as, I don't know, simultaneously disappointing, uh, boring, and uh, chaotic as it's been, you have to be realistic about what this team could be. It could be boring uh, and chaotic at the same time. It can be. Yeah, it's chaotic. <laughs> like, it's it's so chaotic in that, like, they did nothing of note, yeah. which inherently makes it boring, and at the same time makes you say, well, what the hell are they doing? What's the plan? We're going to get into all that. We'll, we'll do more about this next week. Um, Guys, I just want to sure say fo- one more thing. I, I just wanted yeah. to lay this out. I don't know if you knew it, but the Flyers hired a new uh, head athletic trainer in the last couple yeah. of days. Uh, as we thought that was going to happen, but they hired a new head, head athletic trainer, um, and uh, and relieved another equipment guy this past summer with Harry Bricker as well too. So there's a lot of things that people say and a lot of things people don't say. But I did hear that yesterday, Anthony, and I think you heard that too, right? About the new trainer. Yeah, I did. Yeah, hired. So yeah. well, I mean, look, there could be even more to get into on next week's episode. But in the meantime, make sure you follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Amazon Music. You can ask any uh, Google or Apple or Amazon-based device to play the latest episode of Snow the Goalie of Flyers podcast, hands-free. You can listen to it while you're making breakfast, lunch, dinner, driving in the car, um, avoiding doing the work that's been sitting on your desk, um, muting your computer during a a video conference uh, with coworkers and just listening to the show. You can do that. You can watch us and catch that very fun moment uh, where Bundy went through the Tim Hortons drive-thru (laughs) <laughs> Some pretty interesting stuff was said. You can follow that over on youtube.com slash crossing broad. You can check out, there it is. They're not our sponsor, but they could be. Uh, and don't forget, uh, follow us over on Twitter at Cetarian6, at Ant Sanfilly, at Joy on Broad. All of those links, everything I just said is in the description of this episode. We will be back next week. And I think I tasked everybody with this the last episode or two episodes ago. Tell two friends or family members or somebody that you know is a Flyers fan, tell them about Snow the Goalie. And we will be back next week. We'll be back every week after that. I think there's even a chance. I'm going to go crazy here. There's a chance that we at some point might pop up a couple small episodes in between. Because I feel like there's going to be... Snackable content, Russ? I I feel like there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about with this team this season, for better or worse. And we'll be covering it all here on Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Thanks for listening and watching. Talk to you next week.